Welcome to Bedtime Story Adventure 2019. One chapter a day up until Christmas. Boys, are you ready? Yeah. Chapter 15. Retrieval Team. When he arrived, James waited for the right moment to slip away from the football match. It was one all, and Jenny looked to be playing well. He waited until the ball was on the far sideline, away from the school building. Number eight was on a fast run and took a shot. Jenny leapt in front and volleyed the ball away. The whole crowd cheered as the ball soared high into the air. "'Now's our chance,' James whispered, and led his team quickly in through the girls' changing room door before the ball had returned to the ground. Once they were inside, they huddled together at the back of the room. "'We need to go quick and quiet,' James said. "'Stick together for this,' I don't want anyone wandering off. Let's check the Rodine football team changing room first. If number eight left the key in her bag, that would make our lives very easy. The gang stuck together. They knew the layout of the school from the plan that Jenny had found. But they didn't know who was still in the building. There could be a teacher or adult around any corner. Millie went out into the corridor first. She was wearing a long grey coat, and even though a teacher might not recognise her, at least she was a girl of the right age, and so wasn't as out of place as the three boys. "'All clear,' Millie said. They filed out into the corridor, and went straight into the Rodine team's changing room, which was right next to the Patcham one. "'That's her hat,' James said, recognising a red beret from his meeting with number eight at the marina." It was hanging on a peg on a brown leather satchel over a neat pile of clothes. Within seconds, they knew that the key wasn't there. Dorm room next. We need to get to the stairs. Year 9 dormers are all on the second floor of this building. Millie went first again. When she reached the end of the corridor, she looked about, then waved them forwards. They rounded two more corners before they reached the stairs. It was a stairwell that went up as well as down. Millie went up, and James sent Fred down to check what was below them. "'Smelled a bit like a swimming pool down there,' Fred whispered when he came back up. "'But there was no one around, just more classrooms. I went a little way down, and there was a whole load of canoes and life vests stacked against the side. Weird.' Millie appeared at the top of the first flight of stairs. "'All clear,' she said. They followed her up to the second floor. They had yet to sense the presence of anyone else in the building. The stairs led out onto another corridor. It was long, the length of the school building, ending with a door to a fire escape. There were windows running all the way down the right-hand side. Wilf looked out, while James carefully tried the handle of the first door on the left. "'I think Patcham just scored,' Wilf said, slightly too excitedly. "'Quiet,' James said. "'I think these could be the rooms we want.' He pushed the door open, and the four children peered in. It was a bedroom, all right. "'How do we know which one's number eight's? Millie whispered. "'I don't know. She's probably neat. Let's have a quick look in each one.' "'Check for school books,' Wilf whispered, moving to the desk and picking up an exercise book. "'This one's Cleona's. Is that even a real name?' "'Great idea,' James said. "'Let's go.' The four children stayed low so they couldn't be seen through the windows, and checked the rooms. It did not take long to get to the end of the corridor. 
James came out of Irina's room to find the three others crouching outside the last door. Er, uh, Fred said, I think this is number eight's room. And you were wrong about her being neat. James joined them and saw what Fred meant. The room was covered with papers, all over the desk, floor, and stuck on the walls. Most of it was Chinese writing, and it looked like the same word or symbol written over and over again. Okay, it is a bit messier than I thought. Let's find the key. The room was too small for them all to fit in and search effectively. It had the same desk, drawers, wardrobe and bed as the others, with a small window that looked out toward Brighton. Wilf was happy to stand at the door as a lookout, not least because he had a good view of the football match going on outside. Patchum scored again, he relayed to the others. I wish I could see the scoreboard from here. The other three did their best to search the space without disturbing anything. It wasn't easy when the floor was littered with discarded papers. One wall was covered with plans and architectural drawings of the pavilion, stuck up with blue tack and written on in Chinese with marker pens. James took the desk. He found blueprints of the dome pushed to the side. There was also a sketch of the marina with some lines and angles drawn in, with calculations along the sides. Millie checked the small wardrobe and chest of drawers. Fred took the floor and under the bed. The feather wasn't too hard to find. It was in the rubbish bin next to the desk. The end of the feather was stained black. In the drawer he found many different bottles of ink. I've got the feather, he said. Now we're just looking for the key. Looks like half-time, Wilf said. The teams are huddling together now. James looked at the papers scattered around the room. Number eight had been trying the same strokes, drawing the same symbol, all with the feather. Different colours, sizes, but always the same word. He wondered what it was. From her desk, he picked a good clear example, folded it, and put it in his pocket with the feather. I found her keys, Millie said, but they all look normal. They started playing again, Wilf called in. Patchum's kicking off now. I want to be back out there before the match finishes, James said. He looked at the bunch of keys. If number eight hadn't put the Squiducken key with her others, and it wasn't anywhere else in her room or bag, then they were out of options. He did see the key that she had shown him in the cafe. It wasn't his key, but at least it was the key to a tunnel. He took it off the keyring and slipped it into his pocket. Let's do one last sweep of the room, in case we've missed something obvious. Then it's time to leave, James said. Halfway through the final search, Wilf darted back into the room, pushed the door closed, leaving a small gap to look out of. Someone just came out of the stairwell, he whispered, peering through the gap. Looks like a teacher, or a caretaker maybe, in overalls. Did they see you? James asked. Of course not. I heard footsteps, then ducked in here. Everyone stayed extremely quiet. The footsteps were slow and steady, and they were getting louder. Wilf silently turned the handle and gently eased the door flush with the frame, then just as gently turned the handle back to the closed position. The footsteps kept coming. They must have been right outside the door. The four children didn't move. James didn't even breathe. There was a terrible moment as the footsteps stopped 
and then they started up again, moving back down the corridor. The children all let out their breaths. That was close, Millie said. I guess that someone might have seen us in the corridor from outside and come up to check, James said. He suddenly felt uneasy about being in the school. I think we need to get out of here now, Millie said. Yes, James agreed, checking the desk drawers one last time. We've still got a while before the end of the second half, so we should... He turned and saw all three children silently staring out of the window by the bed. Right outside were two large crows, watching with a dark intensity. When they had looked from child to child and fully taken in the scene, they beat their wings and disappeared from sight. Uh-oh, Wilf said. James had the feeling that they had overstayed their welcome. Not that they were really welcome in the first place. Let's go, he said. Right now. He took one last look around the room, and his gaze lingered on the drawing of the marina and the cliff calculations. Something about it worried him. He pulled the door closed and joined the others in the corridor, crouching under the window. Those crows mean trouble, James said quickly, and possibly more trouble than just getting caught by a teacher. Let's get out of here. If we run into anyone, say that we were told that the toilets were this way. Before the children had reached the stairwell, there was a clatter from behind them. Millie looked round and gasped. A horde of huge rats burst through the fire escape door and into the corridor. Well, they looked like rats, but they were walking upright, wearing ragged clothes, their heads level with the bottom of the windows. And they were armed. Knives, axes and big hammers. The lead rat swiftly checked number eight's door, then came out looking angry. Seize them, he hissed. What are they? Millie said. Oh, just rats, James said, herding the children into the stairway. Probably friends of Lord Ratzenberg. The children clattered down the stairs. Is Lord Ratzenberg a friend? Millie asked nervously. No, James said as calmly as he could. He hates us. In their haste, they almost bulldozed over Joe, who was coming quickly up the stairs. Hi, she said, stopping the group in their tracks. Laurie found the squiduckin key. It's on number eight's right boot. Great, but we need to get out quick. There's rats chasing us, James said, turning the girl around and guiding her back down the stairs. At the ground floor, there was even more trouble. As soon as James stepped out of the stairwell, more rats appeared from the end of the hallway. He ducked back in. What do we do? Millie said. Those rat things look horrible. The cliff tunnel. Those canoes must be kept there for a reason. Downstairs, now, James said, hoping that he was right. Fred led them fast to the lower floor. The sound of scampering claws echoed from the stairs above them, urging the children on. They left the stairwell and sprinted down the corridor. James was looking at the doors as he went. At the end, he hadn't seen anything that looked like the tunnel to the undercliff path. It was a T-junction. He picked right. The children followed him to a door. He tried to open it. It was locked. Other way, he said, herding the children back, past the corridor to the other door. It looked better. The walls of the school gave way to hewn chalk, and the door was cut into the chalk like the gate that James had seen from the undercliff path. 
Wilf got there first. He yanked the door open and rushed through. Right into a pair of the largest rat guards that James had ever seen. The guards had their backs to the door, clearly not expecting anyone to attack from behind. But if they were surprised, they quickly recovered, jumping round and pointing their weapons, a sword and pike, at the children. "'What's all this, then?' one of the rats said. "'And exactly what are you all doing?' Wilf said nothing. Millie made a tiny squeaking noise, and Joe pulled her sister back. "'We're doing a beach project,' James said, as calmly as he could, squeezing past the others to face the rats. "'We're heading to the beach. What are you doing?' "'We're guarding the entrance while that stupid game's going on,' the larger rat said. "'Oh, it's you!' "'Zen,' James said, recognising the mercenary rat. "'It's good to see you. Are you working for number eight? "'No idea,' he said. "'My cousin Bobby here got me the job.' You know me, if the pay's right, I'm your rat. So here I am. James was acutely aware that the rats chasing them might appear at any moment. But he also knew that Elf had hired the huge rat to help her out a year before. Listen, we're in a bit of a hurry, James said. Would you be open to a new contract at double the rate? Zen looked at his cousin Bobby. She didn't say nothing about exclusivity, Bobby shrugged. Or about anyone trying to get out. Great, James said. Zen and Bobby, I'd like to pay you to stop anything coming through this door from the inside at a rate of... Uh... He looked at Zen. Two of those pocket knives, Zen suggested. Done, James said. I'll have them ready for collection on Saturday morning by the Max Miller statue in town. He didn't wait for a reply, but pulled the door closed behind him and led the children past the rats and down the tunnel.